Hello everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you guys tuned in today. We are focusing on Black History Month this month and we are, we are interviewing four different artists. These artists are all from regions in Ohio, including Cleveland, Columbus, and various other places as well. We wanted to focus on these artists because they are not only artists of color, but they are artists with disabilities. Our first interviewee today will be with Zane Harshall. Zane and I met, we've only been like talking through Zoom these past few weeks, but I interviewed him and his family about Zane's band Blue Spectrum and also about Zane being a guitarist with autism. During our discussion, we talked so much about autism and what it means to be a black man on the spectrum. Zane's family is also on the Zoom call and they include their own hot topics about what it was like for them to be parents growing up with a child who had what's called perfect pitch. It takes a village to raise a child. This old African proverb not only expresses a wise belief, but also reflects the reality of raising a child as special as Zane. Diagnosed with autism at the age of four, Zane's village included speech therapists, a behavioral pediatrician, and some wonderful teachers. Occupational therapists would eventually be needed for almost eight years to address Zane's severe dexterity issues. But at the age of 14, Zane expressed interest in playing the guitar. He went into his room and emerged two years later as a guitarist. This self-taught musician soon discovered he had perfect pitch, which means he could hear notes and automatically know the musical keys. Jam sessions around town became his training ground to further develop his own style of playing and entertaining. He would watch veteran musicians play and then go home to practice what he had just witnessed. This constant honing helped Zane develop into quite the showman. His musical abilities have been featured in various local and national media outlets, NBC4's Autism Puzzle, the Associated Press, the Lancaster Eagle Gazette, the Youngstown Vindicator, the Columbus Dispatch, Bounce TV, and Telemondo, to name a few. He has played all over Central Ohio and the surrounding cities and counties. His band, Blue Spectrum, was founded in 2013 and is Zane's primary love. The members of Blue Spectrum love performing together and living the words of their impassioned motto. Life is not to be viewed through the single lens of a diagnosis, but to be lived through the spectrum of potential, promise, and purpose. Hello everyone, I have today with me Zane Harshall. He is a guitarist and plays for a band called Blue Spectrum. We actually just met through Zoom, so I haven't seen him in person yet, but he's like a really nice and kind individual. I'm gonna let him introduce himself and say where he's from, his hobbies, guess about his band and everything, and I'll just let him proceed. So go ahead, Zane. Hi, my name is uh, Zane Harshaw, and I live in Gahanna, and I, I play guitar for a living. It started out as a hobby, and it became, and it became a dream came true. That's great, Zane. So I haven't heard him play, but I heard you're playing at Ohio State this year. Is that true? Yeah, the Ohio State Fair. Okay, awesome. That's so that's so great. So Zane, we're gonna talk about a little bit about your background. So 
you can disclose if you want your disability and talk about um, your diagnosis story if you would like, or your parents can't argue you want to prove. I would love that. That's, okay. That's a, that's a good statement to make. Yeah, go ahead. They need a lot of people to hear this. Go ahead. It's a good statement. We live it out loud. <laughs> yes. So I just found out I was diagnosed with autism. Like, well, when I was growing up, I wasn't aware what that means. I thought I was just being typical like the rest of the, like the rest of the people like, in, in human nature. I was four years old and I didn't wasn't even aware of it. I didn't I didn't even know what autism was and, and I didn't know what a disability was and I wasn't aware aware of those kind of kind of disorders, man. I, I wasn't yeah. So when I was growing up man, I just I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I was like I was kinda of surprised when I found out I've been hearing about it. I mean, you know what? I might as well not take this for granted. Right. I think while I was like 17 or 18. That's when you really started to understand? Yeah, I wasn't aware of what's going on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, you talk about how you got diagnosed at four years old and as you got older, you didn't really like understand until you were like only in high school. So, um, how did you, so when you were in high school, how did you kind of notice these differences between you and your peers? And how did you proceed with trying to figure out, you know, how your brain worked versus other brains? Well, um, well, I did need some accommodations while I was, while I was growing up in, in high school. I had, I had a hard time, like, fitting in with other people. Like, I used to be antisocial a lot. Yeah, I had a hard time communicating. Like, like even in mornings, I didn't even want to talk mm. or say hi to anybody. People always think, like, think I'm being rude or nothing. Like, sometimes I don't feel like talking. They sometimes they try to force me to talk. Yeah. I... Like, there's a time I'm like, they weren't even aware where I'm, where I'm coming from, or what bag I'm coming out of. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell you now, I used to work at a camp called Camp, um, I think it was Camp Hoover. It's like through the JCC. I don't know if heard about that. I've been there. Yeah, so I was working there for, um, my first job was like, actually, my first, my first job was there. And I was their like head art teacher. And I remember I had one, um, one middle schooler, I forgot her, I think her name was Grace, and but she was also autistic. And um, I remember just like having to learn a lot about how her brain worked in terms of like her emotional state sometimes. Like I had to learn to like let her just do her own thing in terms of like when she's upset or angry or wanted to be alone, I had to just let her be. And instead of like trying to ask her questions or trying to get her to like tell me why she's upset, I just let her kind of do her own thing and figure it out. So I understand what you're saying in terms of like not wanting to talk just because you don't want to talk. Like I get that completely, especially when I'm at, when I'm at work or I'm like at school. Like sometimes I just like don't, don't want to talk to anybody. Um, my next question for you was, so you are in a band called Blue Spectrum and you play guitar there. So how did you know that you wanted to play guitar when you were younger or like, you know, as growing up? Well, it started when I was 10 years old. I, I played the trumpet in, band, in, in, in a high school band class. So like, like, I've been thinking when I was 12 years old, I've been wanting to learn to play the guitar, but I kind of put it down for a while. I think what part of it got me into the guitar because I'd be liking the sound of you know, I was listening to Run DMC and I was loving the sound of guitars and the grunge sound. And I'd be discovering other music. And I discovered country music when I was 10 years old. And so, like, I started out, I grew up listening to, like, classic soul. So what my parents listened to. But, you know, when I've been kind of growing, like, like I'm used to, like, hearing those guitar sounds. And it kind of made me want to play an instrument because the sound, I find that very unique. The, the grunge sound, that like, hard rock guitar sounds. 
I was loving the sound of it. And I was kind of amazed and that because when that's when the reason why I started playing guitar here when I was at the age of thirteen. So it made me want to play the real instrument, and I mean that's the sound I want. That was a tone and a sound I wanted to get. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I can play. I played piano for like eight years growing up, but I quit when I was, I think, in middle school. But guitar, I haven't, I haven't played that yet, but it seems really fun to like get into. Um, so I read in your bio that you have what's called, I think it's perfect pitch. Is that correct? Or Yeah, that's correct. Okay, cool. So what does that mean, like, in terms of, you know, being a, a guitarist? <laughs> Here's a funny story. I was like 16 while I was taking guitar lessons. I didn't even know what perfect pitch was. I'm like, I just learned that I just hear a note and I repeat it back. Like, like I'd be listening. I, sometimes I listen to structures more than once. Like, and I just repeat those structures back. But so like, so like, here's what I did when I, when I was 16 years old taking getting guitar lessons. This my guitar teacher just hit a couple of keys on the couple of keys on the piano and I just named them all. Really? And. Yes, and and then when he hit when he hit two chords, I just named two of them. And I and when I heard when I when he hit three chords, and I was and this my guitar my guitar teacher had a cat because I love cats. <laughs> and and I said uh, the cat back to me. That's why I didn't I didn't answer that one. But when they they took that cat outside, and and I finally answered all the three, all the three three notes that he hit on the piano, and then. He said he's heard of it before. He said he's never met a he's never met a student that had perfect pitch before. He was like amazed and he didn't know what else to teach me. Wow, that's a really cool story. I would say like okay, first of all, I don't like cats. Like I'm sorry, I don't I can't stand cats. <laughs> I'm a dog person. But um I think perfect pitch is so Same cool. My mom. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like cats are just like they're just anti social. My mom is allergic to cats. Oh, okay. Okay, I just don't like them. I feel like, I feel like they're just like antisocial and too, they're too, for me, too sassy. They're so. kind of selfish, I get. They it's really selfish. are. Yeah. But I do feel like Perfect Pitch is really cool to know about. I didn't know it was a real thing until I read it in your bio and I was like, oh, this is like really interesting. So that's like really cool. Um, So how did your band Blue Spectrum form? Well, it started out, when I used to do like Special Olympics when I was... I started when I was 12, and then I met this one guy that, that also played guitar while he did Special Olympics, so we kind of, like, put a band together. We kind of, like, had a play date, had him come over to my house, and we, we, we did a little jam a little bit. And then we met, when I went, I went to a, I went to a, like, a program just for autism, and I, and I met this other guy. I met, I met him when he plays bass. I had him come over when we had a jam, and we put it together. And, he, and there was another autism group that played the drums so when we had a play day down in the basement we started jamming together started playing so yeah so like that's when blue spectrum was born on Jan- on january 9th 19th 2013 so it's a it's yeah. a pretty like I was, like I was in high school that, that time yeah it's a pretty old band though so you were in high school so what your last year or what year were you no, it, it was like when I was a junior in high school. Okay. We put we put we put like a band together. We just had it. We just it started out. We were jamming together. Uh-huh. We didn't expect all of this to come from. It was just a play date. It was for four young people who were still in high school who were autistic, mm-hmm. and they sounded pretty good. Now the I mean, so that was literally last month, ten years ago. Um, like any other band, they've gone through some changes, and there have been changes of personnel. Now it's 
it's still a four top and um our our current keyboardist is blind she's amazing on the keyboard and we have we have a drummer and our vocalist is also a bass player and those two are veterans they're our age they're my age so they're older but um they zane plays solo and the band plays around town and even nationally, we're playing at the Ohio State Fair. Like you said, we're going to be going to Houston oh in gosh. April. Zane has played at the BB King Blues Club in Orlando, Florida. He's played in El Paso. He's played in um, San Antonio. We've played all around Ohio. We, we started out playing, honestly, at parent resource fairs and things connected to disability. Mm-hmm. We still do that. Yesterday, he played at a fundraiser for Special Olympics. But then we started playing at conferences. My husband and I would speak and he would perform. And now he plays for festivals. We've played for the Pittsburgh Blues and Roots Festival. I mean, they are a professional band. And Zane plays regularly at restaurants around town. I mean, it's been amazing. And that first day, 10 years ago, that's not what we were expecting. Right. We just wanted a nice little get together for these kids. And lo and behold, he has a career out of it. Yes, that story is amazing. I didn't know your band was like ten, like almost half my lifespan. That's so cool. I had no idea. I thought it was like a recent thing you just created like <laughs> oh, a few years ago. Baby, I know, I know. I'm only like 24, but like, wow, that's so cool. Um, so my next question for you is: Do you think so? I know you're diagnosed when you were four, so with autism, and a lot of kids. I mean, I'm an art teacher on this side. Teach like little kids like art classes, uh, K through high school and a lot of kids that i see um who are usually like who are on the spectrum um their parents were like kind of like trying to avoid them getting diagnosed for autism and i noticed it a lot in young black males especially in females too but usually black males so i want to ask you and your parents you know when it came to you getting diagnosed how did that subject uh, come about between you guys was like was it a group discussion of you guys talking beforehand or was it just, you know, your parents who wanted to be diagnosed? Or was it your choice? I think this would be great for you to talk about, Gene. Oh, Dad, you should tell him that one story about this art. You should tell him this one story. This this will be in, this will be interesting to hear. It is. And, and you're right regarding diagnosis, particularly in the black community and particularly for our children. And there are several different uh, problems regarding that. One starts with the medical community that tends to, they don't diagnose our children as fast as they diagnose uh, white children. And and that's important because the earlier they get diagnosed, the sooner they can start therapies. And early diagnosis is incredibly important. Uh, Last study, the last numbers we saw, um, I think like the average white child is, diagnosed by two and our our children like four or five years old before they get diagnosed then the second problem is is in the education field where teacher uh they'll see uh little jimmy demonstrating certain behaviors and uh, and make the observation that you know what we might want to give his parents a call we think i think something's wrong with little jimmy something's going on with little jimmy but little Daquan can have the exact same behaviors and he's going to be seen as he's a problem. He disruptive, call his parents, get him out of here and punish him. he gets punished. 
and he's having the same behavioral issues where he's overstimulated uh, with with a, with a sensory overload. Right. Then the third problem is within the black community itself in that we don't want to name it, don't want to claim it. We're not going to call it what it is. Oh, well, he'll grow out of it. We're not going to, and we're not going to acknowledge it. And remember, autism is is male dominated. Eighty uh, percent of the diagnoses are males. Mm-hmm. So eighty percent of the population in the autism community is eighty percent males. So it's it really is a multi layered problem when it comes to getting our children the diagnosis. Um, we, my wife and I, you know, we just, uh, from the beginning, it, uh, we realized the importance of, uh, once we understood what it was, just getting our son the help that he needed. Um, it's amazing to us to this day, the way he plays the guitar with the amazing dexterity that he plays with, when we realized that, you know, he had eight years of occupational therapy, his fingers didn't work. He couldn't tie his shoes, button buttons, use scissors, uh, use markers. So he had to have therapy through the year. So the school system paid for it through the school year and we paid out of pocket in the summertime so that he could have year round occupational therapy. It wasn't so that he could learn how to play the guitar. Right. We just wanted him to be able to, to function. Write his name. And, yeah. So we, you know, we just embraced and understood. And then we realized um, that it was important for him to be in charge of his own narrative, for him to be able to speak for himself. So it was something that we lived out loud and that we embraced. And, and we saw the benefits of that, particularly like in our neighborhood where children would ask questions because you know he may have a behavior and they thought might be peculiar and children are just going to say it like hey what's what's up with that you know so you're able to address it and what winds up happening is those kids become um, advocates as opposed to adversaries right i mean one thing is that i'm doing i'm most proud of is that i know of children that grew up with Zane that now uh, I know a young lady, she's not a behavioral therapist all because she grew up with an autistic child in her church. Right, right. Uh, so being able to talk about it, being able to put it out there, live out loud with it, uh, it gave us, it's given us opportunity to educate people, talk to people, give them a sense of hope uh, and let them know that this is not some type of death sentence. Uh, a lot of times that's how people carry on. And you can't, it's hard to believe or achieve something that you don't believe. Right. And once you see it and like, you know what? Okay. It doesn't have to be a, a self-fulfilling prophecy because you uh, believe it can't be done or things that things can't be achieved and then you carry that thing out um, so we, we try to we, 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 we know the importance of it so we we, we embrace it this, this is this is who our child is um, this is 
this is a part of him. It's a part of him as him being male or him being African American. I mean, it's him being a guitar player. It's 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 all in there and in the person that he in in the person that he is the his his um his wonderful being his uh his his character his heart um it, it's all in there so it, it's it is very important to uh to embrace it and like I said it's a, it's amazed it's amazing how many places around the country it's taken us just because we live out loud with it yeah yeah. Um, did you want to add a thing to that, Zane, or are you, or are you good? Uh, no. Okay. Sorry, Dad. Dad, did you want to tell that one story? Ah. Uh, oh, that's right. So, had a, had a, had a, uh, my, my wife had a friend. We, my, my wife and I were having a conversation one Saturday morning. It was, um, she had found a, uh, music program for him to be a part of. That was going to be a week-long program, a blues camp here in town. Um, but also, he was enrolled in this job program, and the job program started at the same time as this blues camp. Can well, I give a context? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna throw it back to you. I just, just, just how hard we had been looking for a job, and it just hadn't come through. But I, I'll, I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. Oh, I guess maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, we had been looking for quite some time for the job program. So, um, he could only do one or the other. So I, you know, I was like, okay, well, can't do the blues camp. He's got to go do this. Got this job program he needs to go do. Well, um, Gwen didn't feel that way. She wanted uh, she wanted him to do the music program for the week. So we kind of going back and forth. I get a phone call. The phone call from a uh, friend of Gwen that went. They went to high school together. And the funny thing is, this woman had never ever called me before. So I was amazed to see her phone number come across my phone. So pick up the phone. We exchange pleasantries, and she goes into a story about her youngest son. When he was like three years old, he drew a picture for her gave her the picture and she said where'd you get this she said i he said i drew it she said no where'd you get this i drew it so she took him to the kitchen table sat him down gave him a pen and pad draw it again and so he drew it again she was so freaked out she called her husband said you need to come home something's wrong with Corey." so Fast forward, this young man was getting his master's degree in fine arts from the University of Pennsylvania. So he was the Ivy League education. And he was having his final showing. So his parents went to the final showing. When they get there, they're met by three of his professors. The professors engaged them. Professor said to them, like, typically... We don't go to the student shows. The three of us have over 100 years of teaching on the uh, collegiate level. And your, your son is incredibly gifted. He's the kind of student you see once every 10, 15 years. But that's not why we're here at this show. We came to this show because we wanted to meet his parents. In fact, we wanted to meet his father. 
to see what kind of man would allow his child to pursue this particular discipline. So the father thanked them for coming to the show. And then he tells them, uh, my son's gift revealed itself to us many, many years ago. Right. And it is our belief that it would be spiritually irresponsible not to support him to the best of our ability. Right. And I had never, ever heard that term, spiritually irresponsible. And not only did they support their son through his master's program, but by agreement with his father, his father supported him for, for the next five years. And this kid went all around the world wow. in that discipline. Wow. So, so I was blown away. I mean, I mean, I literally, literally had tears in my eyes. So he says, no, tell Gwen I said hello. And she said, she started laughing. She said, I don't even know why I called you. Oh, well, take care. And she hangs up. I looked at Gwen. I said, conversation's over. Signing up for the, sign him up for the blues camp. And I've lived by that to be, it'd be spiritually irresponsible not to support him to the best of our ability, but the understanding that his gift was not something that I gave him. It came from his heavenly father, not his earthly father. Right. So I have to support him to the best of our ability. And that's what we do. Yeah. And it's astounding because that's literally, that's literally where everything started. That opened the door for, I mean, it's been an absolutely, I mean, we're in the process of even writing a book right now. I mean, it's opened the door for everything. That it's taken us, and it's taken us in all over to the country, mm-hmm. speaking to all types of people, parents, um, educators. I mean, this, this interview right now, um, it's, yeah, I mean, everything. It's been everything. Yeah. And that's our message. And that's how we got connected with VSA or Arts Possible Ohio. I mean, our message is you don't know. By every measure, he had dexterity issues and we had all these things we were told when he was diagnosed that he'd never be able to do. So you would never have expected this. And quite frankly, we're we're typical. We we weren't sure which direction to go into either. It was definitely a decision between getting a job and going to this um, blues camp that encouraged him with music. And um, it's it's been wonderful and it's been amazing. And we want other parents to know about that yeah. possibility with their children as well. And the reason why they, they wanted to meet the father is because most fathers, and I'm, and I'm in that category, um, how are you going to make money doing that? That's the first thing we think about. How, can you, how are you going to get paid doing this? The blues camp, that was money out of my pocket. I had to pay for him to go to blues camp versus this job program where he would have got paid. So the, the decision was easy for me because, hey, he's getting paid. And but little did I know. And then that fateful phone call came in in the midst of that conversation. Yeah, that story 
is literally so good from beginning to end first of all you're a good storyteller but from get from beginning to end the whole story was really insightful um, I'm an artist myself. I'm a visual artist, and like I do a lot of paintings and drawings and murals. And I remember when I was in high school, trying to figure out, okay, how can I pursue the arts in college? And my mother was so against me pursuing that field because she's like, "How are you gonna make money being an artist? Like, what are you gonna do? How do you support yourself?" And I'm like, "Mom, like if I don't do this, I'm gonna feel like I would feel very out of alignment. Like I wouldn't feel right. You know, I wouldn't be spiritually whole. I feel like you know, art is my kind of sanctuary." to help me come down with anxiety or depression or any kind of like emotion I'm feeling, I use art to really help me stay grounded. And I'm so glad that you as parents decided to keep Zane in that alignment of who he was and where that, you know, felt right for him, even if you guys had no idea where it would take him. So that whole story is great. And I wish more parents were like that. I think a lot of parents, especially in the black community, we kind of stray away from things that we're not used to seeing or like, you know, we don't see us doing these things. We don't really know how it should look. You know, I didn't have any like black female artists to look up to growing up. I just knew that I wanted to be one. So that's a really good story and a really good point. Um, we're, we're gonna, my Zoom call will end in 10 minutes. I'm, I have the cheap version of Zoom, so it ends like, it's always timed. <laughs> um, but I'll try to move this along so we can con conclude soon. Um, so one of my last questions for you, Zane, um, how can society do a better job of creating environments that are easier for people with autism to adapt to? They need to like check out, check out my background and see before, before they judge. Mm. Could have just, uh, could have just let, let me, uh, like, like when I'm getting ready to play or something, they, they should, they should just give me a chance because like I'm giving them, it's like giving them a resume. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people expect don't expect a lot when they hear there's a disability involved. Yeah, um, like, yeah, because I don't want them judging to keep them from judging a book by its cover. Right, it makes a lot of sense. I think with all disabilities, whether it be autism or physical disabilities, whatever the case is, I feel like we all struggle with people like seeing the person first before the disability. You know, mm -hmm. like I have a lot of friends or I know a few people from like, you know, past adventures who, you know, like me, either stuttered or cluttered. And people always judge people who like the speech influencies as like not as intelligent or not as um, competent. And it's like it just, you know, it has nothing to do with my like how my brain works or like, you know, my intelligence, but more so, you know, how my body functions sometimes. And I think a lot of people just need education, like need more education in schools, especially, or even jobs, because I feel like the workplace is kind of hard to function if you have a disability. Um, so, you know, I think that your story really is insightful. And Anyone who's listening who struggles with any kind of disability, just understand that like it won't limit you. If anything, it can open more doors. So, Zane, thank you for your time. I really appreciate that. Yeah. We learned about uh, well, something that Zane taught me was a lot of times people on the autism spectrum have difficulty making eye contact. Well, think how crucial that is the way we view communication. If someone doesn't make eye contact with us, we think some that they're hiding something or they're being shifty. And, you know, they taught me that I hear what you're saying. I used to always kind of tap him on his chin, like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And he got to the point, got to the age to be able to explain that that was very difficult. It's difficult to look someone in the eye and also speak. Mm -hmm. Listen, so he would kind of look just off of you 
but he can carry on a conversation and he hears everything that you're saying. So once he explained that, educated me to this day, I'm, I don't I don't ever say, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, uh, because I get it. And you're right. I think education is the key. And we also have a motto. We said from the band has a motto that kind of addresses that. And it's that life is not to be viewed through the single lens of a diagnosis, but to be lived through the spectrum of potential, promise, and purpose. That quote. And is that's so included good. on our Facebook page and everywhere. And it's it's kind of our mission. Yeah. That's a great thing. Yeah, diagnosis means that he's still. You know, someone with a diagnosis or anything that you struggle with, everyone has a cross to bear. But everyone's still entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, And a diagnosis does not preclude you from that. And one last thing, because I can't help myself. Zane has a CD. He released a CD last year, and it's titled Out of the Blue. I know you can't see it on the podcast, but... um, it is on YouTube and Apple Music and Spotify has several songs on it. One is actually titled Disabilities, and it's just kind of his musical take on that. So if anyone is interested in listening, we would love it. Yeah, awesome. Zane, where can they find you on social media? Are You you have Instagram and Facebook, right? What are your social media names? Yes. Okay. Zane Blue Spectrum is on Facebook yep. and Instagram, and he has his personal, and he has his solo music page as well because he performs solo as oh. well okay. so zane alexander harshaw okay that's great zane thank you for your time i really appreciate it i hope to see you before in the future at some kind of at the ohio state fair probably this summer so i want to thank you august 2nd oh, august 2nd okay i'll put it i'll put it on the show notes so people can see like you know your social media and then also your cd and your band schedule all right zane thank you anytime